You see my little friend? His name, or her, her, its name is uh, Thumper from, uh, what's that movie? What is that? Yeah, from Bambi. It's been a while since I've seen Bambi. But um, Aesop uh, fables, there's a story of a rabbit, right? Or a hare and a what? Yeah, and who wins? The, the, the tortoise wins, right? Well, Thumper is, it's amazing. I've never like had a rabbit, but it's a, he's a pretty cool, or she or it. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool rabbit. Are you ready to go home, Thumper? Can you guys say goodbye to Thumper? <laughs> All right, Thumper, let's see if I can do this, okay? Okay, it's okay. There, I just dropped you in there. Sorry about that. Now, in the story, you've got a tortoise. We couldn't find a tortoise, so we have a turtle. All right, this is uh, Teddy the turtle, and uh, he wins the race. But I got to tell you, when you compare the two, I'd much rather Thumper. You know, just Thumper's a little more cuter than, than Teddy the turtle here. And why does Teddy win? Why does Teddy win the race? It's not really because of his speed, is it? The turtle's not the fastest animal that's a part. It's about his intentionality, right? The, the turtle is very intentional about, I'm going to start the race here, and I'm going to finish the race there, where the rabbit or the hare on the other side is just having a good time. He, he knows that there's a race, and he knows that there's a finish line, but he just wants to have a good time along the way. We're going to spend the next several weeks, and we're going to talk about living an intentional life. Here's, I love this time of the year, because this time of the year is filled with great anticipation and hope, right? 2015 is, or 2015 is dead. It's gone. This is 2016. It's just the beginning. Who knows what's going to happen I mean, maybe you will find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Maybe you will win the lottery that's over a billion dollars, right? I mean, who knows what's going to happen? So there's a lot of hope. And this series is called Known. And I really do believe that you can know in January what your December is going to look like if you live an intentional life, if you make intentional decisions. If you're more like the turtle, not the rabbit. Years ago, when Steph and I lived in Arkansas, and we moved from an apartment to a home. It was our first house. We bought our first I still own it, by the way. If you're looking for a vacation home in Paragold, Arkansas, I'd love to make a deal for you. But, but anyways, we, we bought the house. And what made it exciting was, because back in the day, Today, everybody has home alarms, but back in the day, they didn't, and this house had a home alarm, and that just made me feel important, because it's like, I'm important enough that I need an alarm to protect me, and uh, every night, Steph would, you know, we'd be sitting there, and Steph would be like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed, and I'd be like, wait, wait, and I'd walk over, we only had one keypad, and I'd walk over to right where the garage is, and I'd go, dee, 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 dee. okay, now you can go to bed, everything is safe, because we have an alarm. The only problem with an alarm, if you've never had an alarm, is you can set it off accidentally. Have you ever done that? And then you're running around, and you're not sure what to do. And, and one morning I got up and I got into the shower, and all of a sudden I heard, woo, 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 and it just kept going and going, and it didn't shut off. And I'm like, 
oh my goodness, Stephanie has set off the alarm and she doesn't know how to turn it off. So she needs a hero. And you know who that hero is? Right here. I could hear that eye of the tiger in the background, Rocky. She needs a Rocky. And I am her Rocky. And so I'm sitting there in the shower, and I think, man, i got to rescue her. i got to get this alarm off. And so I jump out of the shower. There's no time to get dressed. There's no time to grab a towel. My woman needs help. And I take off running as fast as I can. I round the corner, and I come face to face with the cable man. All right? <laughs> what do you do in that situation? We've been expecting you. We're so glad you're here. I mean, it, it, it's, it, and, and I was, I had good intentions. I just wasn't very intentional. Then there's a difference. You can have good intentions in life, but if you're not intentional, you will not succeed. Now, we're going to look at an Old Testament story, but before we get to that, I want us to real quickly look at Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Paul says this. He says, be careful how you live. Don't be like the hare. Don't be like the rabbit, those who are unwise, but instead be like the turtle. Be wise. How do we do that? By making the most of every opportunity. In other words, live every day intentionally. There's another place in the Bible where Paul says, I don't shadow box. I don't just box throwing punches in every direction. He says, I'm very intentional. There's purpose in every step that I take. And that's the way you and I get to the finish line that we've dreamed about. I think this is going to be a great series. And there's no better time to talk about it than in the month of January, right? Because some of you have already made some intentional decisions. How many of you already started your diet and ended your diet, okay? You know, you joined the gym, you cleaned up your car, you, you know, washed or got rid of all this junk in the closet, whatever it is. It's just a great time of the year to begin this journey. I want us to look at the life of Daniel. And we don't have time this weekend to look at all of his life, but we are going to look at some of the things that led to what the Scripture says about him in Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you, we're going to stay in chapter 6, and we're going to look in verse 28. You can pull out that outline that you got when you came in. Here's what it says. So Daniel what? Let's, let's say it one more time, because this is a good word. This is a happy word. Smile. It kind of gets you going. Smile. Here we go. So Daniel what? He prospered. Now, he did it at a very unique time. The reign of Darius and Cyrus, the king of Persia. Here's, what that, here's why that is important. That means that Daniel prospered at a time when he was being held captive. He was in a foreign land. They came in and they took him from his home into Babylon to a different place with a different ruler. I mean, his circumstances all said, you will fail. Your life will not be what you dreamed. And yet in these horrible circumstances, in this in in uh, difficult situation, he what? He prospered. Now, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, so you might ask the question, what does that word mean, the word prosper? Well, it means what you think. It simply means to make progress, to move forward, to accomplish, to go on well. So when it says that Daniel prospered, it means that he made progress, that he moved forward. He accomplished some things. He went forward. 
in a positive way. So let me ask you, in 2016, in the month of January, how many of you would like to prosper? Let me see your hand. All right, raise it high up there in the balcony, watching on television, would like to prosper. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, let me tell you something about yourself that you may be unaware of. It's very selfish to not want to prosper. There's this false idea that to, that to desire to prosper in some way, you know, is, is unhealthy or not good. But when you look at the, the, the reality, it's to move forward. It's to make progress. And whether it be in a relationship or in your finances, when you prosper, you're able to impact or influence or to help the world. And so to not desire in your life to experience those things that more, uh, help you to be more effective and positively impact the world is a very selfish um, thing to do. The good news, and this is the part I get so excited about, you know, not everybody can be trained to be a good basketball player, can they? Not everybody can be good at math. Can I get an amen? Right? Not everybody can. The good news is, is everyone can prosper. Everyone can prosper. Jesus came. He put on skin. He was nailed to a tree. He, was he died. He was buried. He resurrected on the third day. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time, so that you could prosper, okay, so that you could make progress, so that you could move forward, so that you could be who God created you to be. And there's no one and there's no circumstance that can keep you from being what God created you to be, that can stop you from prospering. Is that good news or what? There's nothing, no one that can keep you from that dream that's in your heart other than you, other than me. So what I love about this is it's available to all of us. You can prosper. 2016 can be a prosperous year in your life. That's what the scripture teaches. And so when I read a passage like that, I can't help but ask the question, what and how did Daniel experience this in his life? I mean, how did Daniel in the most difficult of situations prosper? What did he do? What happened? Why and how? And, and that's really what this series is going to be about. We're going to look at a lot of different things. But I want us to start today in chapter 6 and verse number 1. Look at what it says. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 providences. And he appointed as a high officer uh, to rule each province. And this is what's interesting, is you're going to see in verse 2, Daniel's already had some success. It says, the king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise uh, the high officers and to protect the king's interest. So Daniel's already had some success in his life. And then it goes on in verse 3, and it says, Daniel soon proved himself what? And it's not just capable, it's what? More capable. And more capable, therefore, than all the other administrators. And because it was because of his great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, I don't know if Daniel knew that at this time. I don't know if he knew the king's plan was to make him, other than the king, the most powerful man in the land. But what I do know when you read the text is that the people around knew that there was something special about Daniel. Because they get jealous of him. 
I do know that Daniel had already experienced some prosperity in his life, some success in his life. And so when you look at it and you ask yourself, what was it that the king saw? Why did the king choose Daniel above the other two? Because those are the things I want in my life. Because those are the things that lead to prosperity no matter the circumstances. Now, let me give you a few of them, all right? Here, here's the first thing that Daniel did. Is Daniel practiced character and discipline over comfort and disorder. Daniel practiced character and discipline over comfort and disorder. The moment you begin to succeed, I can promise you there are going to be people who want you to fail. Isn't that true? I mean, that's what happens in verse 4. Look what it says. The other administrators and the high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling the government. In other words, they say they see there's something special about Daniel. They see that Daniel is prospering. I don't know if they knew what the king was going to do, but they could tell that the king was fond of Daniel's production. And so they're like, we, we need to look into his closet. We need to see what we can find. But they couldn't find anything. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, to think that people could look into your closet and they couldn't find anything. And why couldn't they? Because he was faithful, responsible, and completely trustworthy. Those are all character traits. They couldn't find anything because of who Daniel was. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't. But he wasn't acting responsible. He wasn't acting trustworthy. He was. The word character means to etch. So it's like if you take a piece of metal and you etch in it, that, that mark then becomes part of the metal. It's not on the metal, it's in the metal. And character is the same way. It's something that gets etched in us. We are all etched with character. And whether it's the kind of character that is attractive, like Daniel had, or whether it's the kind of character that repels or pushes you away. But every day, we have the opportunity to practice. Because see, Daniel didn't one day wake up and say, I'm going to be a person of character. No, no. The scripture teaches us that Daniel practiced trustworthiness. He practiced honesty. And as a result, that's who he became. So every day, you and I have an opportunity, for example, to practice telling the truth. Now, when I was playing basketball in practice, we would do drills that would lead to our success in games. In other words, we'd break everything down. We didn't just throw the ball out there and play basketball. We would practice certain aspects of dribbling, jumping, playing defense, moving our feet, all those different things. Well, it's the same way when it comes to character. Many of the things that we just kind of push to the side as not important are actually the things that build our character, which attract the people around us that can lead us to promotion. For example, every day, think about it. You get opportunities to practice uh, character, to practice honesty, to practice telling the truth. The officer pulls you over and they ask you the question, did you have your seatbelt on? You get to practice your character, right? Because in that moment, you're going to answer one way or the other. You're going to say, no or yes, you're going to tell the truth or you're going to have a reason or excuse or, you know, you're going to give it to the man or whatever. And it's practice. And that practice is etching you. It's like, you know, with technology. Somebody said, hey, didn't you, did you get my email? I sent it out on email. Right? And in that moment, you can say, 
Yes, I received your email, but I did not read it because in reality, you're not important enough for me to take the time to read it. <laughs> or, you can, I'm having computer problems, I'm telling you. I, technology, you can't live with it and you can't live without. I don't know what happened. I didn't get your text, right? Now, those things don't seem like that big a deal, but in reality, they are. Why? Because they are etching us. They, it's practice. Alan Iverson wasn't big on it, but the scripture is. Practice turns us, it transforms us into someone who is able to then be promoted. All right? I was, uh, I don't know, it's been a few months ago. And I was in Washington, D.C. I was at some meetings, and uh, later that evening, I was at a, a restaurant downtown there, and we, we were sitting outside and uh, having a cup of coffee. And I'm, I'm just sitting around with these guys, and you could just feel, I mean, that city is like crazy power. You just, you just feel it. And I'm sitting there, and there's a guy over here on my right, and he's, I can't remember, a senator or a representative, and somebody else that's running for an office, and someone else who was somebody, uh, senator or representative. Anyways, we're all sitting around. You can just kind of, you know, so it's an intimidating place. You want to, I want to present myself well. And we get to talking and they uh, brought up basketball and they asked me a question. And it kind of uh, led to, they asked me and I said that I had been, because at the time Rutgers was doing pretty good in the NCAA in basketball. And I said, I got recruited out of high school to go to Rutgers and Although I said I was recruited by Rutgers to play out of high school, somehow they heard that I played at Rutgers, okay? Now, I knew as I was sitting there that they had misunderstood and that they believed I played there and I could have, you know, corrected them and let them know where I played that no one had ever heard of or I could just sit there because it's not really lying if you don't say anything, is it? You know? So I'm, I'm sitting there and, you know, the conversation's going on. And finally, one of them turned to me and said, you know, I don't even, where is Rutgers? I don't even, I'm not even sure where it is. Well, I just got recruited by Rutgers. I didn't go to Rutgers. I had no idea where it was. And so now the college they assumed I actually went to, I had no idea where it, where, where it was because it will always find you out, will it not? Your character will always be revealed. And character is one of those things that will lead you to promotion. It will draw people to you or it will push them away. So every day you have the opportunity to practice. Do you show up when you say you will? You say, Troy, that's not really important. Yes, it is. Because that is practice in the area of character. Are you late for work or are you on time? I know you've got an excuse and I know you've got a reason. Understand, though. This is so important. We can all prosper. Most of us won't. And it won't be because something externally keeps us from prosperity. It will be because we're unwilling to follow the principles and receive the promises that are found in God's Word. God says you and I can prosper. So when it comes to these small things, 
Remember, they're important because they're practice. It's not about being evil or being bad. It's not about whether you're a good person or a bad person. It's not about whether you have a good reason or a bad reason about why you were late. It's an opportunity to practice. It's an opportunity to be transformed into someone who when they say they're going to do something, you're going to do it. Whatever it takes, you're going to do it. And if you can't do it, you're going to make the phone call. And you're going to be honest about why you can't do it. Those are all practices. Do you follow through? Do you return phone calls? Do you return emails? Those are all opportunities, all those small things. When I went from in playing basketball, I improved more in college than I ever did in high school. And the reason is because we did drills. In high school, we, we, we didn't do drills. In college, all of a sudden, we did these drills. And these drills changed me and my ability to play that sport. And the same thing is true when it comes to character. But it's not just character, it's also discipline, right? He also, <clears throat> well, let's just look at the scripture. Verse 10. Now let me tell you what's going on so you kind of have a little context. These guys couldn't find anything. So they go to the king and they try to convince the king to pass a law that if you pray to anyone other than the king, you get thrown into the lion's den. And they convince the king to do that very thing. Because they knew that Daniel prayed to a different God. All right? And so look what happens when Daniel realizes that they passed this prayer, uh, this law, that you can only pray to the king. It says, but when Daniel learned that he had been, <clears throat> that the, uh, it had been signed, the law, he went home and knelt down, what are these two words? So that infers what? Discipline wasn't something that he just did occasionally. wasn't like, oh, thumper here, where he just, you know, if it worked out or if they had the time. No, no, it was his usual way of living. In his upstairs room, he opened up the windows towards Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he had what? Always done. Again, it infers discipline. Daniel had discipline in his life, and his, that discipline and that character was seen by the king, which led to prosperity. And the same thing is true in your life, and it's true in my life, is discipline. And we want to make sure that we have things in our lives that allow us to practice discipline so we become disciplined. Discipline's like a muscle. You don't one day decide. It's something that you become, that you are transformed into. That's why when it comes, for example, to what you're going to eat, right? Does it take discipline to eat the brownies? No. I mean, right? Like, whoa, baby, I love the brownies, you know? It takes no discipline. So when I decide or you decide that I'm going to only eat certain things, I am what? Practicing discipline. It's not just about health. It's not just about whether you fit into your genes or how you look. Those are all, you know, whatever. But it's also an opportunity to practice discipline. It's like getting up early. We're going to do this book study. It's at 6 a.m., okay? Some of us don't get up at 5 or 5.30, whatever time it would take to be here by 6 a.m., I think it's going to be a great book study. I think you're going to meet some great people. I think you're going to learn some leadership. But I think maybe the most important thing you and I are going to be able to do is practice discipline. Is to get up for four weeks every Thursday at that time to arrive on time 
to be a part of that. Those are opportunities to practice discipline which lead to prosperity. It's the same thing with reading. It's not really important whether you enjoy reading or not. If you decide you're going to read a book a month or a book a week or whatever it is, those are opportunities to practice discipline which lead to prosperity. The same is true in the spiritual disciplines of our lives. Prayer, and reading the Bible, attending worship. See, there are some folks who don't know whether they're going to be here until they get up on Sunday. There's no intentionality. And so as a result, they miss out on the opportunity to be transformed by the simple decision intentionally that we're going to be faithful to worship God. All right? And it builds, it transforms, it changes. Now, here's why that's important. When you and I practice character and we practice discipline and that becomes who we are, then the second thing you can jot down is we're able to then choose confidence over criticism. Confidence is the result of character and discipline. So if you don't have character and discipline in your life, you will not have confidence. And so when people are critical, you know what will happen? You'll give up. You'll quit. You'll agree with them. You'll have an excuse. You'll have a reason. But it will be because you surrendered, you surrendered that dream. See, I think, I think the enemy gets... His greatest joy by getting you and I to settle for less than prosperity. To settle for less than progress. To settle for less than becoming who God created us to be. Because how do we honor God? We honor God by becoming what He created us to be. We honor God. We glorify God by being uh, what He Desired when he knit us together in our mother's womb. So what does the enemy do? The enemy comes in and the enemy tries to convince you that you need to settle. That you can't do it because you were born in this situation. You've got this kind of money. You have these disabilities. You don't know these people. You don't have... And he tries to convince you to settle for less than the all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time God said that he died and resurrected so that you could have. God has said it is ours if we're willing to apply the principles to do what Daniel did. And so Daniel practiced character and practiced discipline, which led to confidence. Because you know, right, the moment you start to prosper, the moment you start to succeed, you're going to have critics, aren't you? And how do you overcome critics? With confidence. And how do you get confidence? By preparation, discipline, character. I mean, it's like if you were going to run a marathon, if you haven't had any discipline to prepare for that, are you going to be very confident? No, you're going to be like, oh, man, I don't, you know, I don't know if I can do it. I hope I can do it. Every weekend when I, when I come out here to, to teach, it's the preparation, it's the discipline that gives me the confidence. Because, <clears throat> you know, just like your job, it's impossible to make everybody happy, isn't it? So when I come out here to teach, I can promise you every weekend there's folks who don't like what I have to say or don't like the way that I look or, or, or whatever it is. And there's a temptation in all of us that when people are critical is to try to satisfy the critics. Because we all want people to agree with what you're giving your life to. That you're a good parent. 
that you're a good son, that you're a good worker, that you're a good student. And so when people become critical, if we're not careful, then we get distracted from running after our destiny. And instead, we're trying to start satisfying the critics to make sure. Well, how do you overcome that? By confidence. Confidence that comes as a result of discipline in preparation and character that you are honestly being who God has created you to be. Discipline is what makes sure that you have the right people in your life. Listen, I, when I come out here, for me, and my, for, I just tell you, in my life, I know that there's always going to be criticism. And there's nothing I can do to stop that. I know that some critics are actually going to be, uh, that what they say has legitimately, you know, it's legitimate. I, that this needs to change or that needs to whatever. I miss that or whatever it is. So it's discipline that allows me to make sure I have people in my life I had determined two decades ago that I would listen to people who knew more than me, people who believed in me, and people who loved me. I can't listen to everybody or I'll go crazy. So I decided that if that those, I were going to listen to those people. Since I have disciplined myself to listen to those people, it allows me to have the confidence, even in the midst of criticism, to move forward towards my destiny. Do you see, do you see how what Daniel did works in every in all of the different areas that we live in. And the great news of 2016 is that you can prosper, but you will be criticized. People will try to get you. The role of criticism is to get you to give in. And man, I mean, here's the thing. Daniel didn't have to deal with Instagram or Facebook, did he? Nobody said, did you see Daniel? You know, wow. No, you have to. You have to deal with all those. And they're all out there. And it, it plays the same way. Look at me in verse 4. It says they, admit, they all got together. We read it a moment ago. They're looking for something. You ever feel like that? Somebody's just looking for you to mess up. They're just waiting for you to mess up. They're just waiting for you to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, act the wrong way. They're just waiting so they can point your finger. Well, that's exactly what Daniel dealt with. And then they ran to the king. I think that's so funny. They didn't go to Daniel. They didn't confront Daniel. They ran to the king. And they went to the king and they said, that man Daniel, do you see him? Do you see Daniel? You ever feel like that? They don't confront you. They don't talk to you. They just, they run to the supervisor. Or they run to mama. Or they run to Aunt Susie or whoever it is. It's like, did you see her? Did you see what she came dressed in? Did you see how he acted? Did you see what he, whatever, whatever. And it just, just that, crit, just critical. You know, a lot of times people will say, you know, I don't understand. It seems like, I don't know why people always come to me with their negative stuff. I don't know why people always come to me complaining. All right? And, and when somebody says that, here's the reason why that happens. <clears throat> Is that you take your garbage to the dump. Okay? If I were to load my truck up with garbage, bring it to your home, and unload it in your front yard, what would you do? You'd say, uh-uh, you're not doing that here, Troy. All right? No, you would stop me. And therefore, I would not the next week do the same thing. Because I would know you have said that's not going to happen. Well, when you continually receive the negative stuff, when you continue to receive the critical stuff, 
People will continue to bring it to you. People bring their trash to the dump. And when you open the doors and say, hey, I'm the dump. I'll listen to your negative thoughts. I'll listen to your critical attitude. I'll listen to your negative comments. People are going to bring them to you. But the moment you close the door and say, you know what? This is not a dump. And you can't bring your negative thoughts. And you can't bring your critical comments. Guess what? They will move on. So if they're always coming to you, then it's really time to do a self-evaluation to realize you're the dump. And people take their trash to the dump. They don't take it to the front yard of their, of their neighbors. Paul was talking about this in the New Testament because it's an Old and New Testament thing. He says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus. Why? There's opportunity here. All right? There's the ability to prosper. He says, but at the same time, there is mushrooming what? What's this word right here? Say it with me. What is it? Opposition. Yeah, opposition. There's opportunity, but with every opportunity, there comes opposition. The enemy doesn't want you to succeed. And he is more than willing to use people to make sure that you don't. Because the moment you decide that you can't prosper, there's something in our skin that doesn't want anybody else to either. So there will be criticism. And the only way you can overcome criticism is that you have a confidence that you're disciplined you have prepared, and that you are, your character, you are etched, you are authentic, you are real, you have integrity. So if character and discipline then lead to confidence, confidence then gives birth to this last thing we're going to talk about. Is, and this is the part that's the most difficult, okay? I'm going to tell you, this is the one that's the most difficult, is to trust God's promise over present circumstances. To trust God's promise over present circumstances. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> All right? Go to the next verse. This is not the... Keep going. All right? It says, when he was hauled out, Daniel didn't get eaten by the lions, did he? He, he was dropped into the lion's den. The king didn't want him to go. The king liked Daniel. He felt like he got tricked. The next day he walked out. Here's what the king kept saying about Daniel. He kept saying to Daniel, Daniel, I hope that God that you're so loyal to, that you trust will save you. And that in the morning when Daniel gets hauled out of the lion's den, it says he, there wasn't a scratch on him. Why? Why was there not a scratch on Daniel? Why? Because he had, what's this word? Trusted who? trusted God. He had trusted God. Now, that is huge. He trusted God. And he, the word trusted doesn't mean he just with his mouth said he trusted God. He believed God. I've taught before, the word believe in the Bible is the word pistuo, which means to put your weight on, it means to sit down in, to completely trust, it means to act. Okay? means to act. It's easy to trust God when things are going well. When you're getting the promotion. When you're making more money. When you get the Christmas bonus. When growth happens. When you have the child that you've been praying for. When the children are healthy. When you graduate college. But when all of a sudden you're faced with a lion's den. That's when it becomes difficult to trust Him. To act. Okay, because I want you to see the king made a law and the law was you can only pray to me. Daniel 
disciplined, as he had always done, he went home, he opened up the windows, and he prayed. And as a result, he got in trouble. He, all Daniel had to do to not go to the lion's den was close his windows. He could have prayed. Nobody would have known. Be very easy, would it not, for you and I to sit down and say, God understands, I just need to shut the windows. All I got to do is shut the windows. I can pray. It's so much different than Shaq, Rack, and Benny who got thrown into the fiery furnace, right? They got thrown into the fiery furnace because they would not bow down. They had to, to publicly bow down to the king. And they said, we can't do that. It, that's not the case with Daniel. He didn't have to make some kind of public statement. He just had to close his window. And yet Daniel... In the midst of that, rather than choosing to close his window, he chose to trust God, to go ahead and open his window and act and to pray and to be led to the lion's den. And in the middle of the lion's den, he is in the middle of God's will, and yet he remains there. Here's why this is important, because here's where we see it play out in our lives, okay? We say we trust God. We sing, I trust him. If I were to ask you, do you trust God? Many of us would raise our hands and we say, we trust him. The area where it reveals itself very often is in the area of finance, okay? Let me show you what I mean. Anytime there's an opportunity to give, or if you think about returning to God the tithe, the, the 10%, here's what happens in all of our lives. I'm looking at my bank account and I'm looking at God's promise. I can act. I can step in and hang on to what I have and I can, you know, send the kids to college, make the mortgage, buy insurance, whatever it is. I mean, all I have to do is not, is not, be, is not give, right? That's all I have to do and I can hang on to what I have and that'll be enough. That's all Daniel. Daniel's sitting there and he's kind of looking. All I got to do is shut the windows. All I got to do is shut the windows, but rather than shut the windows, he's like, I'm going to trust God. And I know I could go to the lion's den and I could get eaten, but I'm going to trust him. As a result, the scripture says in verse 28, Daniel prospered. See, I'm afraid that when I get in this situation, my fear is that when you get into this situation, rather than trust, we act on our own. We look at our bank account and we look at God's promise. And the scripture is filled with God's financial promises of taking care of us and prospering us if we'll trust him. We look at our bank account and what do we do? Do we trust him? The majority of the time we act on our own behalf. We shut the window and we say that God understands. God understands, right? I mean, he, he can see my bank account. He understands I got kids in college. He understands I've only got, you know, I just lost my job. He under, whatever the situation is in your life or my life, the most difficult aspect of the Christian life is to oh, leave the windows open. Is to say, I see my bank account, but I'm going to trust his word over what I see. The Bible says it like this. I walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, what I do is based on what I believe, not on what I see. Listen, that's the biggest challenge in your life. It's the biggest challenge in my life. Is to say, God, you're saying this because, and you know why it's the most difficult? Because the question is, well, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? What if he doesn't shut the lion's mouth? 
And what if he doesn't provide for you financially? What if he doesn't, whatever area of your life it is, right? That's the reason we act. That's the reason we shut the windows and say, you know what? I better step in because I, and until you and I get to a point in our lives where we can do and be what Daniel was, we will not see all the prosperity that God has promised and died for us to have. That's why character and discipline lead to confidence, which in turn gives birth to trust. You can't just one day decide that you're going to trust God to that level. It'll never happen. You'll keep telling God, when I get more money or when this situation happens, God, whatever it is that you know you need to do, but when you look at it, it seems impossible to do. You will continue to put it off. The only way you'll be, you and I will be able to trust Him at that level is that we have to start with character and discipline, which builds our confidence, which gives birth to a trust that believes, that acts, no matter what the circumstances or the situations might be. And in the most challenging of times, in the most difficult of place, right in the middle of it, with enemies all around him, Daniel prospered. So I want you to know it doesn't matter which way the market goes. It doesn't matter what your boss has to say. And it doesn't matter what the people around you think. The reality is, is that if you will follow Daniel's example, you will prosper. Because you were made to in 2016. And I want to give all of us an opportunity to make those intentional decisions. Would you grab this communication card? It's in the seat right there in front of you. And I want to challenge everybody to pick up one of these, all right? Every one of us, grab one of these. Because I want uh, this, this is the part of the teaching that really matters. I want to encourage you to participate. This is the hardest part in the sense that often the percentages tell us that people who write down their goals are more likely to accomplish their goals. And yet people don't write down their goals. Everyone here can prosper. Most of you won't. Not because you can't. Because I'm unwilling. You're unwilling. So I want to challenge you to take this card. And I'm going to challenge you to intentionally make a decision. Some decisions. Decisions that maybe you've already made. I put them in your outline. But I'm going to read them real quickly. And then the ones that you're willing to intentionally make. I'm just going to ask you to write down on this card. To write the number. Go ahead and fill it in with your name and stuff. And at the end of the service, we're going to turn it in because it's a real commitment. Okay, this is, it's, it's, it's you really stepping out there and being intentional. Here's the first one. Is that I am uh, choosing to intentionally attend every weekend of the series known. It's five weeks long. You've already come to one. Woo! You only got four to go. Okay. If you're willing to intentionally make that commitment on the card, just write the number one, okay? Just write the number one. Some of you may do all these. Some of you may do none of them. Some of you may do a few of them. Number two, to invest a total of 15 minutes each day in prayer and or Bible reading, all right? So you may pray or you may read the Bible. You may do both throughout the series known. It's 27 days starting tomorrow, 27 days. For 27 days, you will find each day 15 minutes to either read or pray or do both. 
If you're willing to do, make that, intentionally make that commitment, then write the number two. See, the intentionality part is where the growth happens. Trying doesn't result in the growth. It's the discipline of making the decision and then keeping the decision that you have made. That's why this card is so important. Because some of us will say, well, I'll try to do those, or, and you miss out on the growth that comes with it. Number three, return to God a percentage of what he gives to me each work week during the series known. All right? To return a percentage. The Bible, when it talks about that percentage, it talks about the tithe or a tenth of returning a tenth. God gives us 100, we give him back 10. But I want to ask you, you know, I, I encourage you to start there, but to start with a percentage, whatever that might be, in t be intentional. This is the opportunity, is to be intentional. It's to say that whatever God gives me in the next week, I'm going to return this percentage to Him. There's a step of faith in that, there's a step of trust, and there's a matter of discipline. It's based on what He gives me, not on what happens around me. I'm going to trust Him with that. If you're willing to make that commitment, write three. Number four, and I would encourage you to do this, somewhere write down that percentage for yourself, okay? So that you, and tell your spouse, tell somebody, help you keep that commitment. Number four, attend the book study, Intentional Living by John Maxwell, each Thursday at 6 a.m. during the series known. There are four week, four Thursdays, okay? Starting this Thursday. If you're willing to make that commitment to be there, just write the number four. And then lastly, to serve in some capacity at a minimum of one time during the series known. In other words, you're willing to intentionally make the commitment to serve one time in the next 27 days. Maybe it's you're going to shake somebody's hand as a greeter, or maybe the student ministry, or maybe helping the parking. I don't know what it is. Feed the hungry. But you're going to, in one, at least once in the next 27 days. And if you're willing to make that commitment, write the word, the number five down. I encourage you to fill out, you know, write your name. And in a moment, we're going to drop it in the basket. And I want to end where I started. The greatest passion of my life. I never intended on being a pastor. I thought that I would be a coach. Therefore, the greatest desire in my life is to see you win. And I know that the only way you will win is that if you practice the drills. If we were a basketball team, we'd be doing drills because those small things would lead to greater success. Don't count on winning the lottery. If you do what God has asked you to do, those principles will lead to prosperity. His integrity is on the line. His character is on the line. Would you bow your head? Father, I thank you for those that are here. I thank you for 2016. And we are believing in great things. Help us as we make these commitments, whatever they might be. Help us to, to the, the, next, the next four weeks, the rest of this series, may it radically transform us in Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Can we do that?